This is Make It Big, a podcast about all things e-commerce, created by Big Commerce. Hello, I'm Megan Stabler, Senior Vice President here at Big Commerce, and I'm really excited about the conversation I'm about to have with Jenny Fleiss about retail trends and predictions. For those of you that don't know Jenny, Jenny's an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur founding two scaled digital commerce businesses from scratch, Rent the Runway and Jet Black. She's a venture partner with Volition Capital too. Jenny's been honored with numerous recognitions, including Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30, Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40, and Most Powerful Women Entrepreneurs and Fast Company's Most Influential Women in Technology. Without further ado, let's get into it. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Likewise, thank you for having me. Can you tell us about some of your newest experiences as a venture partner with Volition Capital and what drove that decision for you? Sure. Uh, I've been lucky to be a part of Volition Capital uh, for the last couple of years, but my investing journey actually started about six years ago when we launched the Rent the Runway Foundation to support female entrepreneurs. And we would incubate about five or six different female-founded businesses that were part of a business plan competition. The winners would get to actually be inside the Rent the Runway office. The thought being that the best that we could give them and the unique vantage point we could give them was being inside kind of where it all happens in the room where it happens, letting them access our engineers for questions, our analytics team for questions, sit in on meetings just to see how certain topics about building culture panned out, or how do you build a product roadmap? And it was a really rewarding experience for both sides. And I was able to see firsthand how the operator lens was critical to helping and guiding these businesses. And naturally, I was able to start to see patterns and trends in some of the founders that made me want to invest and get involved in those businesses. The other piece which made me really excited to work on the investing side was we were lucky enough to have former operator founders on our Rent the Runway board. And I was able to see through them how valuable their perspective was, how much they were able to relate to me and Jen as co-founders as we built the business. Yeah. And I know when we when we discussed earlier, sustainability was at the core of Rent the Runway as well, right? So we've seen a lot more trends in e-commerce as well, where the millennial younger generation are always looking for sustainability in what they buy and how they buy. So, you know, you made a name for itself with Rent the Runway for the inclusion of that and advocating for sustainability. But, you know, in, in the sense of real world outcomes and not just checking the box, you know, how do you embed sustainability into what you do, especially in e-commerce, which is fast moving and people want their, their stuff, so to speak, today, tomorrow at the earliest? Absolutely. Uh, at Rent the Runway, we were always very excited about the fact that clothing rental in itself is a very sustainable process. If you can share a unit of clothing rather than fast fashion where you're constantly creating and buying new items and the average U.S. consumer is buying over 70 items a year, the average consumer in the U.S., which was like mind blowing, and often they're wearing them once or twice, that is not a sustainable answer. The amount of cost in production um, is, is taking up a lot of resources that doesn't have to be the case when you share those resources. So that was true from the get-go. I think the very exciting thing that happened is, first off, how much it has started to matter for our consumer base. Because when we started the company, we would ask our customers, what do you like both, most about Rent the Runway? What do you like most about Rent the Runway? And they would say, it's fast, it's easy, it lets me play around with fashion, it's affordable, um, I feel like I look great. Sustainability was very low ranking on what they brought up. 
Today, it's always within the top three whenever whenever anyone mentions Rent the Runway and what they like about it. We go back to speak at Harvard Business School and it's always questions that we get. So some of the shift, and I think what's most powerful is when you can actually build a community that really cares and embraces sustainability as a core piece of a business. And I think that's helped drive a lot of momentum in how e-commerce companies have then started to lean in much further to how they can be sustainable. And we've done that at Rent the Runway. We've increased the communications. We've increased our efforts to use you know, eco-friendly dry cleaning methods or methods where we don't have to do a full dry cleaning cycle if we can tell that an item hasn't actually been worn because sometimes someone just winds up not, not wearing it. Um, so I think constantly learning, doing research. We have a whole sustainability team now to get us smarter and smarter of more that we can do to push towards our goal to be sustainable because it actually is what the end consumer values. If anything, we saw over the pandemic, right, was a, a shift by businesses and merchants to really accommodate what the shopper, the consumer needed. Um, but now we're sort of emerging from the pandemic, hopefully. Uh, we're seeing a few waves every now and again yes. of things coming back. But but what are the trends that you're seeing we now need to, to use or adopt to take shape of what this next new normal is going to be, which is that sort of hybrid, not lockdown, not quite something going back in store, whatever. What, what are you seeing in the retail industry today? Well, it's an exciting, it's a very exciting time, I think, because when you have huge shifts, which the pandemic created, but also now this moment of recessionary time creates as well, there's a lot more things that consumers reconsider, a lot of behaviors that they naturally tweak or are open to readjusting. And there's also a lot more that businesses do to think about how to save costs or reframe their business policies. And that can lead to a lot of opportunities for startups. We started Rent the Runway during a recession, for example. It was 2008, 2009, and we saw that brands and retailers in the fashion luxury categories were really struggling to retain their users, to preserve their brand value in the face of markdowns and such. So that was part of the insight of how can we get designers and brands to be open-minded enough to trust us with the concept of rental as a way to target younger consumers. Now we find ourselves in a moment post-pandemic where a lot of normal behaviors have been shaken up and consumers, I think, are open-minded to being retrained on certain aspects, such as when do I go in store versus buy online or what new products might I try or what should be the frequency of how much I rent my clothing because I haven't bought fancy dresses and such probably in three years. Mm -hmm. So should I rent more of that um, versus like you know, if they own sweatpants and basics in their closet, it's a really exciting moment, I think, for brands like ours to take advantage of that moment and lean in further to a consumer base. Well, so, so how do brands stand out, right? Um, you see this marketing happening all the time, whether it's over, you know, Instagram or Facebook or WhatsApp, you know, you name it, right? They're trying to capture me where I am. How how can you stand out as a brand, right? Because you are competing, and especially in the retail business, on a, on a margin-based business as well. So yes. what advice do you also give to businesses or would you give to businesses as to what you must think about, right? Because it's got to be a priority on how can you stand out, especially as you just said, you know, we are likely in a recession, coming into a recession, at least we're seeing a slowdown, right? Yes. Um, so, so what do you need to do as a brand to stand out above the rest, to be heard, to, to find that shopper? 
It is hard. It is more challenging than ever. And I am actually grateful that I get to see across the landscape of about 30 different companies that I work with in various ways and how it impacts them when they had been really reliant on digital advertising, when algorithms change or when Apple's privacy policies change. I'd say the biggest thing is to have a diversification of your marketing channel. So you definitely can't rely too heavily heavily on digital marketing. You also need social media strategy. You also need a PR and brand strategy. You need a word of mouth strategy. And I'll just pause on that one because I actually think that is the most powerful and often under leveraged piece of building authentic brand relationships. With Rent the Runway, we knew that women talk to each other at events and the natural conversation starter is you look great, what are you wearing? And if we could build a brand and a feeling for a consumer that made them proud to say, thanks, I ran the runway, that that would be gold. Mm -hmm. The average woman gets two compliments on a night when she goes out. When she wears rent the runway, she gets about 12. So that was 12 conversation opportunities for us to get the word out there. If you give the brand the power to have that feeling, that aspirational feeling, and then for the customer to be so grateful that they strut their stuff out there and they feel great, they are more inclined to want to share. Add something like sustainability on there, and then there's a whole other element of being proud about sharing and spreading the word, which is good for the overall cause of sustainability, but great for brands as well. So I like thinking of that word of mouth lever as a really natural and super powerful and sticky way of spreading a trusted brand relationship that you want to try. The final thing I'll say is that I often think um, it's very helpful to double down on a specific region and geography. Because some of what I'm talking about, brand awareness, press, word of mouth, can be really hard to track. Even a a physical retail store, and whether it's worth online brands, e-commerce brands, opening a physical store. And what you can see if you do tests in a couple of cities is you can see the incremental lift over time in a given city where you really amplify all of the focus of those marketing efforts. And it typically takes on additional virality and network effects if you're able to do that to some extent. So, so again, it's sort of centered around that consumer, that shopper, right? Is what I'm hearing, but- Always centered around the consumer and the shopper and trying to think from their perspective. You know, I don't think men could have started Rent the Runway in the same way. We were women in our 20s. We were the end consumer. We felt the pain point of wanting new items to wear, having the pressure of social media make that harder, of knowing that when you go to an event, You talk about your outfit, and that's how a conversation starts. Um, So every time we evolve the business, we kind of internalize what is that consumer framework going to look like? And then how do I, as a consumer, make choices about other brands? What what makes me convinced Mm -hmm. to buy that new face lotion or curious about someone's, you know, the leash they bought for their dog and ask them more about it? And to try to think of those kind of things that spark a conversation. let's, Let's talk about trends for a second, if we can do. You know, how can you predict trends or should the merchant be the one that is defining the trend in the market so it does truly be then become a trend, right? Where is the prediction of trends? Is it you? Is it the market? Is it a blend? I think it's a blend, um, which is an easy answer to some extent. But here's let me break that down of what I mean. I think often it is catching a spark of an insight in the world around you or in a consumer behavior, but maybe it's a small percentage of consumer behavior that sparks an idea or makes a lot of sense and could apply to a broader group. Examples, rent the runway. The idea of renting and borrowing clothes from friends, sorority sisters, a sibling, that wasn't new. 
The fact that as we did research, we found that at retail department stores, the biggest return dates were January 2nd after New Year's and February 15th after Valentine's Day. Women who went, bought an item, wore it, kept the tags on, returned the gold sparkly dress because it didn't make any sense to keep it. They were never going to wear it again. And the retailer has to accept that, right? So many of the retailers weren't even making that much money in the dress department in particular. And it was the most natural category where fast fashion, Zara, H&M, Forever 21, were able to start to make headway because of that gap between the number of wares and the actual cost, right? Like the idea that you want to spend more only if you know you can repeat and wear something and invest in it. So we were kind of seeing all those trends and saying, you know what, there could be a big opportunity that we leaned into there. And I think similarly, if you see, you know, something like text commerce, text messaging, sometimes it starts with the way an interior designer or an assistant at work might engage with someone and say, like, that's often starting to be less over email, like more to text message. Not everyone does that, but there's a spark, there's an idea. And even in creative industries and fashion and design, I do think that there is um, more relative artistic kind of trend setting, trend making that comes into play. But sometimes, and, and I'd say often, it's a creative seeing someone on the street with a trend, you know, boots with a short dress or sneakers with a dress that like, strikes a nerve. And then, you know, you maybe see it again and you're like, is there something to this? Let's test, let's try, let's lean deeper into that. So do you, do you have any uh, trends that you're following now or you, you're willing to go ahead and predict is the next wave? So I typically, I'd say my macro framework for trends and investing is time is the greatest luxury. And that's something we all have in common. The idea that we constantly want to pack more into our lives and into our days. And so then I think about that in the current moment that we're in post-pandemic. I think one exciting category is digital health and health-related devices. We are all much more attuned, aware of how to optimize our day-to-day, -day, how to take care of our health. So businesses like Aura Ring, where you're tracking your sleep and you're tracking your activity, things that we've got to spend some more time on during the pandemic. And most people will tell you they want to continue to invest in those trends. Eight Sleep is another business that, that works around those. Then you have glucose monitoring businesses like Levels Health, where who thought people would be like injecting needles to measure, measure their, their blood flow, but it lets an everyday person, not just and the way an athlete would kind of optimize their day, try to think about how do I extend my time on in the how do I extend my time on planet Earth, but also how do I just optimize my every minute, my every day to day. I think there's many e-commerce businesses that also look to find ways to get you products faster, whether it's GoPuff or you know Joker, those, those sorts of businesses, um, or just to save you time as a consumer, faster checkout. Things like shop pay, where you can just quickly, you know, have your information or PayPal, even your information kind of processed through. So I'm also often looking for just that insight of what helped me save a little extra time on a given day so that I can pack more into my life. And I think that will always be a healthy way to drive consumer trends. Great, great, great. So so let's, let's take some of those uh, ideas of trends back to businesses and what they should be thinking about from an omni-channel perspective, right? I, I sort of alluded uh, in another one of my questions when I was talking about merchants are trying to capture me wherever I am, whether yes. it's on Instagram or other, right? They're, they're trying to find me so I can click and to your point, we're trying to make it smoother so that when they check out, it's one-click checkout or it's it's so mm -hmm. seamless that it's almost, oh my gosh, you know, buyer's remorse is not even 
aware of because it's it's yeah. happening so immediately. So, um, yes. so when we think about business owners, right, that are the, the, listening to this uh, conversation, you know, when it comes to forming that omni-channel strategy, how does one decide uh, on what channels uh, for selling work best for their business? Is there a methodology and approach? I mean, you're talking about looking at things from small areas first, right? Which which you did. You talked about looking at data analysis of January and, and February returns. What about omnichannel? Omnichannel, I think, is critical. And it's an opportunity to enhance the overall consumer experience by giving you more optionality and touch points. But we've now seen through the pandemic that it's almost impossible not to have an omni-channel strategy. I mean, think of the businesses that only had physical retail and how they really suffered and had to, many of them were able to quickly pivot and rearrange and refocus or to build out a you know, digital presence. But I think that reinforced the idea that like we need to have flexible solutions if we want to be sustainable businesses. The way we did it at Rent the Runway and how I've seen other businesses successfully experiment with physical stores comes back to learning from a consumer creating those opportunities to hear from your consumer. And at Rent the Runway, the example was, why don't you rent more? Well, you know, or why haven't you rented? I want to see the dress in person. I want to feel it. I'm concerned about fit. I'm getting this delivered the day of, the day before my event. I want to know that it fits me with confidence. Or I want to be able to look forward to knowing how I'm going to look at it. Um, so we heard that enough that even though we were so convinced and our business model was built on being a digital-only e-commerce business, we're like, let's test it. And that's kind of part two, it was like finding ways to do these MVP, minimum viable product tests, and to never stop that in your business. It's the obvious thing from the get-go when you're launching your business, you're iterating, you're pivoting, but to continue to learn with your customer. For physical, that meant we first just popped up curtains and a coat of paint inside our office. We put up a simple box on our website. It was like, call this number if you want to book an appointment. People walked up four flights of stairs. They would do like anything. We were fully booked. The conversion rate was like double or triple. Consumers were spending more because they were able to work with the sales associate who got them to add on a set of earrings and to complete the look. They were happier because sometimes they were able to try something that was a style they would never have thought of the associate would guide them to that. And then they mm -hmm. felt that much more confident and it was more fodder for word of mouth. Uh, and so we quickly realized that there was an opportunity there. And so then I think you step your toe in a little bit further and a little bit further. There's an actual, like an interesting logistical element for many of the businesses in the omni-channel world as well, because especially in a moment with rising fuel prices and the cost of shipping getting higher and higher, you can do creative things by having people pick up in store and shave shipping costs by, in the instance of Rent the Runway, having people return to store and then letting us batch return items. And so I think you'll continue to see some innovation and iterating in that space too, of having central drop boxes or points of pickup that let the consumer save money and also help in a sustainability respect. Yeah, I think you hit on a couple of other things, obviously, that we're facing right now when we're recording, right? Which is rising inflation, rising costs. So, mm -hmm. you know, any business owner is probably looking at their profit margin. So is there any other advice that you would give to a business owner that is looking to make sure that they, they're squeezing as much juice out of that profit lemon as possible uh, in their new business? So there's two sides of it. One is, can you raise your prices to some extent? Mm -hmm. And that requires a lot of community. It's obviously hard. It requires a lot of communication with customers. So I have seen brands, especially with things like shipping and fuel prices, have an incremental tax where we've all gotten spoiled with free shipping. But now that prices are higher, many brands are starting to make it more the norm that there's a tax or there is a shipping cost. Maybe there's a minimum dollar amount, but that amount is higher. 
Some brands have raised prices a little bit. I think it's best done when there is open communication with the consumer on why that has happened. And I've actually seen that a lot at restaurants where the cost of the raw materials of foods is just higher and you kind of see, you know, some communication on the menu of that effect. Um, so there's a communicating with consumers and just actually raising the, the revenue, the kind of top line. And then there are things about how do I reduce my burn? How do I save money and, and, and kind of increase the keep the margin even just where it was. And so going back out to suppliers and, and bidding things out to more suppliers, being really careful about the amount of inventory that you have to commit to and that you carry because there can be really big lossage um, in that respect. And then just going back to every single piece of the supply chain to see if there's little pieces you can squeak out in savings. Packaging could be one of them, right? And there could be alignment in sustainability with having a different type of packaging that helps your business, but it's also eco-friendly. And we did this at Rent the Runway. We actually have reusable garment bags. We don't ship in boxes. This is helpful to the environment. We also no longer have the cost of a package because we just steam clean these reusable packages. So it's like aligned with our brand, our consumer, and it helps kind of save money and resources. So I think, yeah, it's best served when you can kind of align something you're trying to solve for with the business and hopefully something that's actually also useful and welcomed from the customer. And then communication is the other key piece of all of this. So, I mean, you've had experience in growing your own business around the runway and then being an entrepreneur, so to speak, at the Walmart. So, you know, how can retail brands effectively compete when the standard has been set? And what I mean by this is the standard experience expectation of the consumer, of the shopper, has been set by the Walmarts and has been set by the Amazons of this world, right? So I may be a small business. I may even be just a mid-sized business trying to cut it in multiple states. So, you know, what should these retail brands be thinking about in today's world where the expectation has been set whether or not you're shipping through Amazon or not? Yes, these larger players have made certain expectations more difficult. So when Amazon launched Prime and two-day shipping and that became the baseline expectation, the pricing that some of these businesses can offer, where I think new businesses have the greatest hope is building emotional ties and connectivity with consumers. It is something that because of the size and scale, it is definitely very difficult for these bigger players to do. And how, how can that happen? Well, first of all, you can tackle an emotionally driven category. Rent the Runway is an example. You're wearing these items to events. They're very special and important to you. You want to know that there's a brand who specializes in businesses that are about fashion and introducing new brands and show photos of women wearing the dresses who you relate to that community. Other categories that I find interesting are businesses like Party City, where people are planning events in their life and they want to know there's a specialist, but it's a special moment in memory. Shutterfly, you're making photo books, you're celebrating memories. You want them to feel like it's you know someone behind the scenes who really cares. One of Volition's most successful investments was Chewy, a pet food business. Now you would think like, of course, like Amazon and Walmart sell those things too, sometimes at a cheaper price. And yet because pets are such an emotionally driven component of people's lives, the fact that there was someone on the other end of a consumer service line who cared, who wasn't being you know clocked on how many minutes they spent, who would talk to a customer, that there was real selection, they didn't carry every product and brand, um, that there was things that they did to kind of speak to the fact that these are pet lovers, made all the difference and let them squeeze out a really big you know, section and opportunity of specialization. And I, I love 
what the thread through all of that part of the conversation was. It was about emotion, right? It's, it's yeah. the experience that retailers are providing. So what does experiential commerce mean to you? Some of it ties into the actual use case of a product. So with Rent the Runway, we would describe what we were doing as a form of experiential commerce and experiential marketing, meaning that women are wearing these items to events. They are having experiences in the items. Those are locking in and forming memories. They're often associated with conversations. They're reposted on social media that further kind of lock in those experiences. And their experiential marketing for the brands, because now a customer forms a relationship and knows that brand, is more inclined to eventually purchase a t-shirt, a black blazer, maybe not the dress from those brands, or to stop by and you know look at their section when they are in a department store. Uh, other businesses have done it well. If you think of the Museum of Ice Cream, where you know you go in there and for sure you're taking a ton of photos to post on social media. Yes, you may also buy their ice cream and some of the items that they have for sale, but they're building a brand in a way that's actually connected to how consumers are spending time. And back to my like, time is the greatest luxury. If you're going to spend time on something, you kind of want to multitask. You're like, this is going to be a chance to enjoy a fun activity with my friends or my kids, a chance to post on social media and get the like solid you know, credibility that I did something fun, and maybe a chance to also then buy something. Nike does a great job of this. They're like shoe customization and their dipping experience. It's like you go in there, you have fun, you kind of want to spend the time. Sometimes they make it feel like a club and you get served, you know, a drink and they have a line out the front that you can't get into. So I think all of these kind of create this, um, this feeling of who's my community of the brand? What's the experience I'm having as a way of like getting more out of the money you're spending? And then the amplification of social media, which is like free incremental marketing. Well, I'm not going to let you go without trying to connect some of that together around the metaverse. About nine months ago, you were quoted in CNBC as saying you were bullish uh, for retail fashion brands, leading brands on that. Uh, are you still bullish? Do you still see the metaverse as a great opportunity? I am still bullish. Uh, I think this is a very long process. I think it's a process that started when we all had phones in our hands, which wasn't the case when I grew up, you know, and 20 years ago, et cetera. Um, and, and that led us more to kind of look and engage with things on a physical phone, a digital device. Come along social media, come along gaming, like those things just took it to another level. The reason I'm particularly bullish about the metaverse and Web3 for fashion is because fashion is fun. Fashion is a very creative industry. And what we saw with Rent the Runway is this opportunity because the stakes are lower. You're not spending... 10x to buy an item that you're able to play, you're able to have fun. And that is what the designers want. And it's a way to show off their brands and their collections. And that's, you know, very fun for the consumers when you can do it in a practical way. And I think the metaverse enables consumers to do that, to buy something for your avatar or to try something on in this digital format, to play around, to let, you know, maybe inspire something you buy in a physical world, but also to just let these brands have a deeper source of the editorial perspective and putting that in front of a broader spectrum of consumers. So, so what I'm taking away from our conversation is, look, there's a lot of great innovation that you could do every day, center yeah. things around the consumer, the shopper, right? Yeah. Look at how to go to market in different places, different stages of your business. Think about adopting new trends, or at least you could be either the predictor of a new trend or the instigator of a new trend. Um, but I also want to claw it back into what we're facing with, with the globe right now, which is the potential of a 
slowdown recession, right? Macro trends are pushing up headwinds, I think for, for all businesses that are out there. So what are the words of wisdom, the words of advice from your 2008 starting around the runway to today? If you were to look back and say, hey, we faced headwinds, but this is what I would say you want to do to make sure that you can navigate through that today. I do think recessions are moments when consumer behaviors are changed and people are more open to new businesses. So I think it's actually a great time to start a business. Not saying it's always an easier time, but it is a fresh way to find ideas and inspire consumers about how to change their behaviors to save time, save money, have a better experience. And I think people are more open-minded to receiving that. Jenny, this has been really inspiring for me. And I, I, I love how you, you talked about fresh ideas and inspiring consumers. I think that's what e-commerce is about. I think that's what this retail space is definitely about. I think this is what Web3, Metaverse, uh, Omnichannel, a whole bunch of other things can, can offer merchants today is that inspiration with fresh ideas. So um, Jenny, I wanna thank you for your time. It's been really inspirational for me and, and I know it's gonna be inspirational for our listeners as well. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It is not all sunshine and roses and easy. So I have an optimistic personality naturally, but there are highs and lows, and that is part of the beauty of the journey of entrepreneurship and wishing everyone the best. Thank you again for having me. Thank you, Jenny. Continue being fantastic. Thanks for tuning in to the Make It Big podcast. To keep up with the latest episodes and e-commerce insights, make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts.